having created as, as the CEO of this organization, hundreds of more women of color, entrepreneurs and innovative founders. I've done my job. It's an age old question. Can you do well by doing good? Welcome to the Grow For Good podcast, where we speak with leaders who strive to make a positive impact on the world. Here's the host of the Grow For Good podcast, Jed Morey. The world of venture capital and startup finance can seem impenetrable for women of color, and for good reason, because historically seed financing has almost exclusively gone to male founders, particularly white males. In 2012, an organization called Digital Undivided was founded to influence this phenomenon and begin changing the entrepreneurial landscape. The organization's mission is to use innovation to create systemic change by catalyzing economic growth for Black and Latinx communities through women entrepreneurs. Through various initiatives from technology, mentorship, and community building, Digital Undivided has been helping women of color recognize their visions and build upon their excellence to launch myriad companies. This past year, board member Lauren Milan was tapped as the new CEO of Digital Undivided to bring her depth of experience as a brand marketer, public personality, and entrepreneur to lead the company through the difficult days of COVID and beyond. Now, Lauren's story is anything but typical. She's a powerful force who sets an extreme example of what's possible lighting the path of progress for others to follow. Perhaps the most intriguing part of her story is how it all began as the youngest self-made winery owner in the country. Since then, she hasn't stopped building, iterating, and creating for a second. And now, her mission is to bring her spirit and energy to hundreds of powerful and brilliant women of color to help them realize their dreams. Buckle up for this conversation with Lauren Milan. She is power and grace personified. Hey, it's Jed, host of Grow for Good and executive producer of social justice podcast, Newsbeat. If you've checked out Grow for Good before, then you're familiar with the format of the show, where we speak with executives who are making the world a better place through the work they do. And when I was going through potential guests with the show's producer, Sage Levine, I was musing that it would be kind of amazing to find somebody who helped other mission-driven companies grow or had a focus on VC or private equity and equity and inclusion, something maybe in the VC space. I, I, I didn't give her a lot of detail, but I sort of threw it out there. And a few days later, she sent me a bio of our guest today and dropped it like, boom. Lauren Milan, as I said to Sage, I was like, well, yeah, good luck getting that booking because you fit, you just checked every single box. A black female entrepreneur who runs an organization that helps Black and Latinx female founders recognize their visions. It's kind of like you were the stuff of make-believe, and yet here you are. So, Lauren, thank you for being on the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me and for such um, a wonderful welcome. It's awesome to be in conversation with you, Jed. Um, thank you, Sage, for doing the good work of thorough research um, and fact-finding. I'm super excited to be chatting with both of you today and really uh, I'm just so passionate about the work that I do and and so much of what I've done for quite some time uh, that's now become a more popular conversation. So using this moment, hopefully, to, to seize the opportunity to actually create some sustainable impact. Well, before we get into your position as CEO of Digital Undivided, I wanted to work through your personal backstory for a bit because it's actually pretty incredible. First of all, you started your career by doing the thing that people usually work their entire careers toward. You literally started a vineyard and then you ran it and sold it. How was that your opening move? 
you know, so all the guys in Silicon Valley who are my friends, my colleagues, you know, my, my fellow investors in a lot of deals, they've always joked with me that I've done life backwards. <laughs> uh, and I'll just accept it as that at this point. But uh, I think that, you know, as an entrepreneur, your job is to make something larger out of something um, in your mind or something that starts off pretty small. And I think that the hustle and the grind is always to see how big you can grow something, whether that's um, a product, a customer base, visibility, what have you. And so for me, with my very first company, it was, <laughs> it's funny, there's a, a press article on me, it's probably about 14, 15 years old. And uh, I was being interviewed and I said, how does it feel? And the headline ended up being, <laughs> the headline ended up being my answer, which was, I don't know. It's a hobby gone wild. And really, <laughs> that is really what it was. It was a hobby gone wild in so many respects. But um, I've always had uh, a deep interest in agriculture and um, building products that I love to consume. And so um, the wine industry was one that I literally fell into. It was a real estate purchase turned into you know an agricultural farming enterprise turned into one of the best grape growers in the Monticello region and other folks were buying our grapes to make wine vineyard designate gold and double gold wine out of the fruit that they were buying from us and I said wow I want to make my own gold double gold wine it doesn't really matter quite honestly that I don't know how to make the wine myself I'll find the, the right people for that and I did and went on to have a really incredible run in the industry that's exciting so so give us some of the highlights after the vineyard because I mean, you've worked in brand and marketing as well as angel investing. And I feel like you had the perfect prologue to taking over as CEO of Digital Undivided, sort of equal parts founder and operator, brand development specialist and investor. Can you, can you just uh, briefly take us through the journey post-Vineyard? Mm-hmm. The journey post-Vineyard was eye-opening for me as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as an investor, an advisor. Uh, and also as, as you know, a professional woman in business who was figuring out how I wanted to carve my path and my lane and what those experiences of building and creating an internationally recognized award-winning wine brand that made me the youngest self-made winery owner in the country. I'm like, how do you, where do you go from there? Hmm. So that's why I'm so passionate about helping women find their own economic paths to prosperity and success because I think that often we feel as though the experience that we've held the longest at whatever point in our life, it's always relative. But, you know, in my early 20s, that was the, that was my biggest, longest running professional experience ever. Hmm. And so imagine how difficult it is to wrap your head around your ability to translate those experiences and skills into something else. And so I grappled with that for a minute, but I immediately fell into um, advising. And because there were so many other women that were starting businesses before we had this kind of renaissance, if you will, of you know women in business and uh, women of color and, and making that conversation more popular, I was still figuring out where do I go from here? Yes, I had wonderful success on paper. Yes, all of these great things. But it was I was also really figuring out what do I do next? And I found that there were many other women that were grappling with that question as well. Some of them, you know, that that answer led them into entrepreneurship for some of them that answer led them to jobs some that made them happy some that made them miserable and so mm-hmm. it was a natural progression for me to go from selling my first business 
to investing and advising a lot of female-founded tech startups. This is back in 2011, 2012. So, you know, 10 years ago now, we're in 2021, there weren't many women, you know, starting businesses. There was no community for them. There was no, you know, organization or membership or club or anything. Just being able to do that opened my eyes. So I was first an advisor. And, and then when I got more and more comfortable with, with advising, um, I became board director of some of those companies and took equity interest in those businesses that's gone on to grow substantially. And then I got comfortable with putting my money behind those decisions instead of just my own intellect and thought leadership and my own time and talent towards those companies. I then started putting my, my actual treasure, my own you know, financial resources behind those businesses. And so I became a super active angel investor while still launching my second business that I still have today, which is the LMB Group, the strategic marketing and brand advisory firm. Um, I work and advise, you know, Fortune 50, Fortune 100 CEOs and CMOs on their brand innovation strategy, storytelling, and communications. Kept, you know, angel investing and became even more active in that space and ultimately started business number three, Genmy Capital Partners. We raised $30 million to invest in early stage technology companies with the investment thesis and objective that as young, successful entrepreneurs, we were hyper-connected to other young entrepreneurs who had high, high um, probability of becoming successful if we invested early on and also tapped them into our networks and experiences to help accelerate their chances of growth and success. From there, I went on to write a best-selling business book for women called The Path Redefined. The subtitle is something I'm super passionate about personally. The subtitle is Getting to the Top on Your Own Terms. I believe that I've done it, but I believe that all people, and especially all women, are absolutely capable of creating what success looks like in their eyes and then seizing that on their own terms. So I wrote like, my book, The Path Redefined, and then ultimately that led to me having a television show on NBC's Oxygen, alongside Randy Zuckerberg, Anita Leffler, Sarah Prevett, called Quit Your Day Job, which um, was a startup investing-focused television show where I appeared as the award-winning master marketer, um, helping the businesses that we were contemplating investing in uh, figure out their marketing and brand strategy while we decided if we wanted to make um, an investment into their company. So that's me in a nutshell. I'm also a mom. Uh, so my I have a son and a daughter who you know, are both of color, children of color. And so this idea of creating a world um, that is better for them than the one that I grew up in is something that I'm super committed to as well. I told you grow for good audience. <laughs> I told you. like the, It's you're like a, a fantasy biography that you, you don't make any sense. You're, you're amazing. You're amazing. You know, one thing that you, you talked about. I don't make any sense. I'm amazing. I'm going to, I'm going to take that. I really like it. Uh, it's a, it's just a, that own your own path thing. I mean, is is just amazing. I, I, very few people, let alone a a black female executive in this world, can create such an interesting path based upon their passions. I mean, and that's what this that's what this show is about. Let alone a black entrepreneur. I think it's even harder right. for a woman of color entrepreneur than it is for a woman of color in corporate to make those those shifts and those changes. I think that might be up for debate amongst some people, but. I certainly think that when you don't have that credibility of, you know, a corporate job on your resume, it doesn't matter what you were doing there, but simply that you were there, 
that association, unfortunately, also holds, I believe, too great a weight in who gets seriously considered and respected for their ability to build business. And I think that is part and parcel for the problem that we have now with women of color who are saying, I have an idea I want to build upon because people will look at them and go, oh, but are you qualified there? Mm. Well, so one thing that you had mentioned about angel investing and uh, and startups and entrepreneurship that I wanted to key in on is uh, I remember a friend of mine years ago sold uh, his company. He went into the venture space and after you know trying to figure out where he was going to land in angel investing, he decided that the mission of his company was to be to invest in female owned startups, not mission driven necessarily, but just he wanted to make sure that the founder uh, was a woman. And so we went out to lunch and I was asking him about it. And he said, you know, for me, it's purely data. The research showed that women-owned startups actually outperformed their, their male counterparts. And I found that absolutely fascinating. Has that been also your experience? I think that my experience is that who you know and how you meet people determines everything that happens in your life. And you either figure that out early on or you figure that out when it's later. I won't say too late because I don't believe that it's ever too late, but I think that, you know, women of color and people of color, we don't lack the ability, the aptitude, the intelligence. It's, it's normally the one thing called access. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, if you can collapse that and, and create this access point, uh, I think we find greater levels of, of success in general. So let's get to the heart of uh, Digital Undivided, though we covered some ground in our introduction before this. How do you describe the organization, its mission, and maybe uh, talk about when you're taking on uh, new projects, new, new entrepreneurs, how do you define success? Yeah, so I will start with the second question first. So how I define success is that it is your ability to maximize maximize your abilities to generate income, revenue, and wealth while maintaining a lifestyle that makes you feel whole and happy. And I think that for so many people, we sacrifice our wholeness and our happiness. We sacrifice our sanity or dollars um, until something catastrophic happens and we realize that we had our priority all out of whack. Or better yet, what happens more often than anything is that people don't even know what they're working towards. Mm. And so you realize, oh, I've been making all this money, but what am I doing with it? What do I have to show for it? Or, you know, what what was I making it for? And if you don't have a plan, uh, I, I like to say, if you don't have a plan, then you plan to fail, right? And so I think that a lot of people frustrate themselves and kind of deem themselves a failure simply because they fail to plan. So I, I think I look at success as being able to create a plan that keeps you whole and happy while optimizing the inputs that you put into your life to have the maximum, the maximum value from the outputs that you desire. And I think those outputs look different for everyone and those inputs look different for everyone. And I try not to qualify those, right? What makes me happy and makes me feel wealthy uh, is going to be so different from what makes you or anyone else uh, that we might talk to or be with in a day happy and whole, especially now, right? We're in this COVID time where we see all these articles about how the pandemic is disproportionately widening the wealth gap. I've seen it first in the mainstream. I read an article about it now amongst people of color. I read another article about it the other day about how, how this 
um, income disparity, wealth disparity is, is widening even amongst millennials. And so I say that to say there's levels to this. There's someone somewhere super happy, you know, with their apartment and their Honda or their Nissan Murano. There's someone super happy somewhere in Boca Raton with a Tesla. There's someone super happy somewhere in Martha's Vineyard with a Jeep Wrangler. There's someone super happy somewhere in Dubai with, you know, five, five airplanes, right? Like, I think we are getting to a point where people realize that someone said to me years ago, and this really inspired a lot of my thinking around what I want to be the level of success that I achieve and attain for myself and my family, was Lauren, think about the life you want to live and what's really required to live that life, right? Income, savings, assets, all of that. Like, what are those real true goals for you? And then determine how much more you want to continue working after that. Mm. Because at some point, we all can live the same life. The example that was given to me is the person with $50 million pretty much lives the same life as someone who has $500 million. Now, maybe, you know, you can eat in all the same restaurants, you can hop on all the same planes, Maybe they have their own plane and maybe you're going first class or you're going to still get there. <laughs> right. And so I think so many of us keep working and we never get to enjoy that. We never get our moments of happiness because we're so bogged down in going somewhere that we haven't even really taken the time to reflect on where we're going. So that's my thought. I think the only thing about the, the only caveat I would offer there is with 500 million, I think you can buy a lot of legislation in your own politicians. And, and I have to take issue with one thing that you said, and, and that is uh, the examples of people living uh, successfully all over. The only carve out for that has to be Jersey. It's, there's just nothing good going on in New Jersey. And by law, we have to say that because we're based on Long Island. So uh, I just have to throw that out there. And I'm willing well, to throw. By law, as a CEO of a 501c3 nonprofit based out of Newark, New Jersey, I have to tell you that New Jersey is amazing <laughs> and that Newark, New Jersey is a wonderful place for um, female founders and entrepreneurs to build their businesses. Um, and we're putting a lot of effort and energy into Newark, New Jersey. Um, so hopefully you'll come visit one day and maybe we'll change your opinion. So I actually have a, uh, I do have a question about Newark because uh, we do have one of our key family and employee members here is based out of Newark, but we'll get to that in one second. Um, it's just as a Long Islander, I have to throw something about Jersey in there before we get to the nice parts about it or else I just wouldn't be able to sleep at night. So let's get back to Digital Undivided. So the core mission of Digital Undivided, tell us about it from, from your perspective and, uh, and what it is that it looks to accomplish. Yeah, so Digital Undivided is um, a 501c3 public charity. We call ourselves a social startup. Um, we have the most innovative, incredible talent. We exist to catalyze the genius of Black and Latinx female founders and innovators. And we do that by catalyzing their genius through our research, our data, our programs, and our advocacy. Um, and most importantly, all of that folds into our community. And we've designed a variety of programs that are leading in the industry to help women of color do a variety of things related to innovation and entrepreneurship. Everything from starting their businesses and going from idea to success on paper, to moving um, from kind of this, this idea on paper into actually a beta version of their concept um, and building that out through our big incubator program. We just launched a fellowship program where we're double tapping and, and really taking a deep dive over a year-long uh, fellowship program into women of color-founded companies 
that are at or near the inflection point of being able to raise or generate more than a million dollars in revenue. Mm. And in addition to that, Digital Undivided puts out the Project Diane Research Report, which is a biennial demographic um, and descriptive research report that this year for 2020, um, we just released the report in December, really takes a deep dive into the anomalous year um, of 2020, of COVID, of the racial reckoning, of the pandemic, and of the impacts that it's had on the, the women of color founder landscape. So as an organization, um, I'm leading the work that we do to continuously push forward towards you know, more inclusivity within the innovation ecosystem. So I have to ask, because uh, Project Diane was an amazing endeavor the name uh, derived from uh, civil rights activist Diane Nash. I have to ask, do you know her? <laughs> no, no. Oh, my God. Okay. The founder of the organization chose to name their report after um, after Diane Nash. And, you know, I think research and looking and honoring history is always a, a large part of what we do. I don't think that you can change systemic issues um, that have been so deeply rooted into the way that that culture, society, and businesses run without acknowledging the paths that were that were kind of blazed prior, uh, especially as we continue leading that shift. And so you'll find that a lot of our work is always honoring the most innovative, forward-thinking women of color in their time, despite how you know radical that even might have been in, in some of those moments or many of those moments. We always want to dig deep into history to honor um, and kind of maybe have a, a historical milestone as well for how far our work is pushing the needle forward. So I don't have a question, but I would love to just get you to kind of ruminate on this. There's something from Project Diane. According to the, I think, 2018 report, for every $1.3 million of investment raised uh, on average for a white male, black women raised just 42000 Now, that's a slightly aged statistic, but probably still pretty relevant. Can you just speak to that for a moment to try to help people unpack the severity of that disparity? Yeah, so we've actually just come out with our um, 2020 research report, and we have seen growth. We've seen significant growth, unfortunately, still not enough growth, um, in my opinion, but still seeing quite significant growth. And so we've now seen that the median seed round um, is $2.3 million dollars for um, the non-minority. And, you know, Black women are now raising $125,000 as their in C round. So that's before even a Series A. Um, that pales in comparison to Latinx women who are raising $200,000 uh, at their median C rounds. And so um, we have seen growth from those figures. Those figures that um, you're, you're currently citing come from our 2018 report. Again, we've seen some growth, not enough. And still, there is a great disparity between what the non-minority in the mainstream is able to raise in capital versus what a, a woman of color is able to raise in capital for her business. Yeah, and you talk Even about the runway that it takes to be able to launch something successfully. I mean, you can burn $125,000 in an instant or a mistake or not being able to lay the proper foundation where the runway that you get with a million, $2 million is certainly more appropriate for trying to get something off the ground. But I mean, talk about an, an incredibly highly pressurized environment where the rules of engagement are still the same. You have to do all of the same things to launch an idea. And you know, as a founder yourself, like 
to be undercapitalized is probably one of the number one reasons behind uh, startup failures. So just this built-in systemic disparity to me is is kind of mind blowing. It's it's unfortunate and it's mind blowing. You know, I, I don't know if my mind is blown when I've I've lived in this my entire life and career. I think it has conditioned me in a way that I wish more women of color were conditioned. I remember as a little girl, my dad would always tell me that I just had to work three times as harder just because. Uh, and so that's something that I never liked hearing, but I've had, you know, 35 years of doing. So mm. <laughs> I think it's, it's unfortunate that we have to work harder just to get the results that someone else can achieve with far less effort. But I do hope that that's changing. So before we go into a quick break, I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that you did cover over this last year, which has been a remarkable year for so many reasons. And like so many other social disparities, COVID was disproportionately harmful to the Black and Latinx community. What was your biggest takeaway from this period in terms of helping founders and entrepreneurs build resiliency in the business community? You know, I think in terms of helping founders um, build resiliency. I think so much of that comes from learning to operate in ambiguity. I think that is the greatest strength of any wonderful entrepreneur is that you can chart a path when there is no clear way forward. That You literally create one, you create a solution. And I know that's really hard for somebody to do. Uh, it's, a, it's a super skill. It's a real true super skill to even make investments of your time, your energy, your last dollars, whatever it is, into a space that you know has no guarantee, which is the gamble of entrepreneurship on a daily basis. But I think that when you embrace that, you also learn new methods to diversify your approach to risk-taking that also diversifies um, your approach to revenue and wealth generation. So if one thing doesn't hit, the other does. Um, and you learn what the right mix is for you. Not everyone has that appetite. Um, but I think that if we can flex that muscle a little bit more and help women of color grow their, their appetite for risk and ambiguity, we'll absolutely see an increase in our levels of success. I love this, uh, the concept of operate through ambiguity. Uh, this is the most ambiguous year maybe uh, in recent history. We're going to take a quick break to brag about our company, Mori Creative Studios, behind Grow for Good for a second. And I swear it's only like 20 seconds, so don't hit the forward button, okay? On the other side, we're going to talk more to Lauren about her programs, uh, defining success, and what makes her tick. Is your company looking to scale? Mori Creative Studios is a Diamond HubSpot partner agency that helps organizations leverage HubSpot's platform to achieve sustainable and predictable growth. From video production and inbound content marketing to sales and customer retention strategies, Mori Creative Studios provides comprehensive digital solutions for your company so you can grow for good. Visit moricreative.com to learn more. We are back with Lauren talking about uh, Digital Undivided and so many other things. And, and Lauren, I just want to ask you quickly, when the organization began in 2012, it was originally focused on empowering Black female entrepreneurship, and then it was expanded to include the Latinx community as well. And I'm wondering if there's a discernible distinction here. We talked a little bit about the difference in capital raise, which was uh, interesting, and I didn't understand that before. Can you describe maybe the differences you've witnessed even within the journey of a Black female entrepreneur and a Latinx female entrepreneur? You know, our, our mission has always been to help lead the 
global shift towards inclusive innovation for both Black and Latinx women. It's always been central and key and essential, quite frankly, to our mission. I think that the the differences between why Black women continue to raise less than Latinx women is something that we are uncovering in our Q4 2020 um, Project Diane release, which will be coming out in a few months where we capture the last quarter of this anomalous year. But I think um, there are a few things that point to, to what can contribute to the, towards those differences. One of them being that um, Black founders tend to be solopreneurs um, who are starting their businesses all by themselves versus Latinx women, most of them um, have co-founders. And so mm-hmm. we'll be taking deep dives into some of these areas um, that I believe and our head, of, um, our head of, of data and research, Daniel Jackson, also believes might contribute to the cause and correlation between some of the insights and trends that wow. we see. Oh, that's fascinating. I wonder if there you can extrapolate that into a larger global trend about having just more people, more eyes on a project like that. That's amazing. Stay cool. <laughs> um, all right. So now I have to come back and, and uh, begrudgingly pay my compliment to New Jersey because I, I did read about your uh, the opening of the office in Newark. And our engineer, actually, of this uh, show and our other social justice podcast, Manny Faces, who will be cutting up this episode, moved to Newark and regularly participates in the Newark startup scene and so much uh, technology there as well, which just seems to be thriving. What was the calculus behind opening there? And so far, what has your experience been opening up on this coast? Yeah, so I mean, Digital and Divided started in New York back in 2011 at a conference. Um, we incorporated it in New York back in 2012 as a nonprofit. And, uh, you know, the a metropolitan urban areas has always been the focus of our work. Now, post COVID, I've digitized all of our programs, our services, and we're able to operate on the national level and meet female founders of color wherever they are in their um, geographies and in their demographies as well. So wherever they are in their life journey, wherever they are geographically, we can now meet and serve them. But we started working in that urban area of New York City, which was the tri-state area, of course. And we found over the years that the trends are, yeah, it's it's New York, it's California, um, it's Newark, it's Chicago, it's Detroit. These are the, the D.C., the hubs, um, Texas, where we are seeing businesses founded by, by diverse founders blossom. And so our decision to come to Newark is that we have had a long relationship as well with Prudential Foundation, who supports our work. They are headquartered in Newark. We thought that we had done a lot of work required in New York City, specifically, up until that point, and that Newark was the next place within the tri-state area that was really primed for growth. You know, if you recall, that was also a moment in time about four or five years ago when, you know... There was a lot of technology investment coming from big CEOs, both personally and through their businesses, into schools and ecosystems and opening offices, um, you know, increasing supply chain and what have you all throughout New Jersey, specifically focused on Newark as well. And so we, again, we're going to lead the shift towards inclusive innovation. We also have to look at where innovation is most ripe and being supported by the technology ecosystem itself. So Newark is one of those places, and Prudential is also headquartered there um, and a wonderful supporter of ours. And so we um, had so many reasons to to move headquarters to Newark. So with so many founders and entrepreneurs served over the past uh, several years, you must have a pretty powerful network at your disposal. 
Have you been able to foster any sort of collaborative environment among the women that you serve? Absolutely. Collaboration is key to my success. I think more so than anything, partnership is key to my success in the ways that I can continue helping other women catalyze their genius. It is through connecting dots, whether that be dots in strategy, whether that be dots in thought process, whether that be you know dots in, in ecosystem and actual network and connecting people. But it is, again, going back to what I was saying previously, it's about access. And if you don't have that access, if you don't have that kind of partnership or ability to connect those dots in the right time, because a lot of people say, oh, I connected the dots. And what do you always hear? It was too late, right? Like you, you got that piece of information or advice, uh, 20 minutes too late. Oh, I just had that meeting and they told me no. Um, you know, but maybe they would have told you yes if, if you had had that information at the right time. So it's not just about access and it's not just about information. It's not just about collaboration or partnership. It's about having all of these pieces in concert at the same time at the right time. And the right time to me is, is before, not, you know, and, or during, but it's never after. Too often, women of color feel like they found the answers um, after, and that's often too late or late for the efforts that they've already put forth. So before we leave one another, and I just want to thank you for your time today and your insight and just more generally for the work that you do. If people are looking to get involved, if there's a, a, a brilliant black or Latinx woman with an idea and doesn't know where to begin, how does the process begin? And what do you look for in that type of founder to uncover their genius? And what is the anatomy of a solid relationship to give us some, I guess, some parting wisdom on how somebody can can start? Uh, you start by heading over to digitalundivided.com, <laughs> more about our work. And if you are a woman of color, if you know a woman of color who has an idea who has an ability, who is inventive and resilient and persistent and believes in ingenuity and science and has strong beliefs, we want to help you create that into a company, into a product, into a service, into an opportunity that, yes, catalyzes your genius, but also to allow you to own your work and therefore own your own pursuit of your economic success. Um, Closing the racial wealth gap, especially now that it's been so widened because of COVID, is very important to me and very important to our work with Digital Undivided. This idea of catalyzing the genius of women of color is, is only so that we can help more women of color make money, earn money, keep money, create wealth, and build legacy. So if there's any way that I personally or we at Digital Undivided can help women of color do that, call on me, call on us. I'm easy to find. I am at Lauren Mylan on social media everywhere, laurenmylan.com. This work is my, my life's work personally for me. Uh, if I, you know, leave here from, from this particular role in my life, having created as, as the CEO of this organization, hundreds of more women of color, entrepreneurs, and innovative founders. I've done my job. Lauren Milan, CEO, Digital Undivided. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom, your energy, and I wish you nothing but even more great success in your life. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. 
The Grow for Good podcast is produced and distributed by Mori Creative Studios, a Diamond HubSpot partner agency that helps organizations leverage HubSpot to achieve sustainable growth. Grow for Good is a registered trademark of Mori Creative Studios. This is a Mori Creative Studios podcast.